0: Let's get started. We're uh, up to now. This is uh, starting the week of uh, Perik Gimel of Perkei Avos. And therefore, I wanted to uh, pick a, a significant Mishnah, which will hopefully uh, set the tone for our week and give us something to really uh, consider. So, as it so happens, uh, Mishnah Aleph here in the third Parak actually is a, a somewhat of a parallel uh, to the Mishnah that we studied last week, which was the opening Mishnah... Of the second parak, this is a very, very famous uh, Mishnah, and I think uh, if we study it with uh, a little depth and analysis, I think that I think we'll gain a lot of a lot of insight. So the Mishnah tells us, let's read the whole Mishnah, and then we will, as been our style in previous shurim, then we'll go phrase by phrase and analyze it more in depth. Akavya ben Mahalal Omer hishtakel b'shloshadvarim v'ena tabali Akavia ben Mahalel, who, just for a little biography, Akavya was a contemporary of Hillel, uh, a separate Mishnah, the Mishnah in Masechet Ediot, describes with glowing, glowing terms his genius, as well as his uh, righteousness, his tzidkus, Um, and in fact, uh, the Tosil Yontif points out he was so great, he didn't even need the title of Rav or Rebbe. He was just Akavia ben Mahalel. It wasn't disrespectful. On the contrary, it was a siman of how great he was. So this Akavia ben Mahalel, not so familiar to us, but apparently a great, great Tana. He said, if a person considers, if they look at, if they think about three things, they'll never come Lidei Avera. For now, let's just translate that as they won't sin. We'll we'll point out in a few moments that it's actually more nuanced than that. But Akavi ben Mahalal says, if you think about these three things, you won't come to sin. What are the three things? Da ma'ayin b'asa. Where did you come from? Remember that. anata taholeich. Where are you going? Ulfne miata atilitain din v'cheshbon. Where did you come from? Where are you going? And before whom will you ultimately have to give din v'cheshbon? Will you have to? I think Archcroll translate that judgment and accounting. So the interestingly, and this is something we will analyze uh, at the end of today's year, the Mishnah initially asks all these questions rhetorically without giving an answer. Then the Mishnah reviews and goes back one by one. Ma'ayin basa, where did you come from? Metipa srucha. We all came from this very uh, putrid, very simple genetic material, seminal material. That's the basis of all human life. Ulanat and where will you be going one day? Lamokum afar, rima Vitoleya. You'll be going to the place of dust, worms, and maggots. Okay, I apologize. Uh, not the most uh, uplifting topic, perhaps. <laughs> and last but not least, says the Mishnah. V'liftnei miata asi litain did Before who will you have to give this ultimate din and accounting? Liftnei melech Before the King of Kings. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that's who is going to ultimately be your judge, that's before whom you have to give this reckoning, this Din V'Cheshbon. So, now that we've reviewed the Mishnah, let's take it phrase by phrase and see what we can learn from it. So, first of all, as I alluded to when I was initially reading and translating the Mishnah, even though I kind of glided over the precise Words in Hebrew, the way most people, in fact, most mafarshim, do that. Akavia ben Mahalal is telling us, "Remember these three things, and you'll never sin." But in fact, the Derech Chaim uh, of the Maharal, as well as the Tiferes Yisrael printed in the standard Mishnayos, both point out that that's actually not what the Mishnah said. The Mishnah did not say, "If you think of these three things, you won't come lidechet." Rather, it says b'lidechet, you won't come to the hand or to the grip. Of sin. What is the difference between those two different formulations? So these mafarshim point out that the things that Akavya mentions here are not things which directly cause a person to sin or not to sin, if hopefully you remember them. But rather, they bring a person to the right frame of mind and provide the person with an inkling to or not sin. They kind of grease the, you know, help you sort of speak along. Uh, grease the skids to, in one direction or another. The more you think about these things, the less likely you're able to, you are going to be tempted and really in the grip of sin. Not actually sin or not. The short formulation of the Tzefarsh Israel is le Siba ha de If you will avoid these things, you will never get to that precipitating point of the Siba, which causes a person to sin. And he points out as a mashal, it's like the yad of a keli, right? The, the handles of a pot or a pan, the hot the handles of a utensil are called the adayim. So just like a person holds the kli, you're not actually holding the kli, you're holding the handles of the utensil, so too, says the madr- says the mafarshim, the, these things, if you think about them, if you remember them, you'll never come even to the handles of so to speak, the things which would bring you into the grip of sin. So that's just, a, again, a slight nuance. No one is saying, uh, the Mepharshim claim, a benohal ben Ahal is not saying that these are automatic, you know, zero-sum game. If you think of these, you won't sin. If you do think of them, you will sin. It's not automatically that you'll be saved. And even if you don't think of these things, you're not automatically going to sin. Of course not, the Mepharshim explained. But rather, it's Lidei Chait, the more you think of these things, the more likely you are to avoid even the grip, the temptation of sin. On the other hand, if you don't think about these things, it doesn't mean you will sin, but it does mean you may have to confront the sin in a more direct way because you'll be more tempted by the, your surroundings. Okay, that was kind of as an introductory comment. Now let's take each of the uh, specific things of advice that Akavya ben Mahalel suggested, and let's see how we understand them. So the first said, Akavya ben Mahalel is, remember where you came from, the tipa surucha, the very basic uh, genetic material uh, that is part of how every human being is born. So there's a group of commentaries here in Perkiavos the Rambam, first, I'm going in chronological order, Alden Rishonim, the Rambam, Rabbeinu Yonah, and the Bar Tenura, who all say, and this kind of dominates our understanding of this uh, Mishnah, they all say, what is the purpose of remembering where we came from, that we all come from this basic genetic material? The purpose is to teach us humility why is that so important? You should realize you think you're all hot stuff. You just you see yourself now in your fully formed, maybe very successful, strong, powerful form. Remember, you came. You started off with something very, very simplistic, very, very nothing. Just a, a drop of seminal fluid. That's what you that, That's how you started. Nothing. Why is that so important? Because they point out that arrogance, the opposite of this. If a person is arrogant, so first of all, arrogance is itself a sin. To be a balgaiva is a sin. But more importantly, for our purposes, the more arrogant the person is, the more likely he or she is to commit other sins. Right? Because when you're arrogant, one of the things that everyone who's arrogant suffers from is no one can tell me what to do. Right? Not my spouse, not my rabbi, not my boss, and not even the boss. Hakkadish Baruchu. The more humble a person is, the more likely they are to hopefully follow both the letter and the spirit of the law. And therefore, says Akavi ben Mahalel, the first thing, the advice he gives to avoid really coming into problems, being tempted by sin is, remember where you came from, it was very, very humble beginnings, and therefore, that will keep you humble. Okay? That's the first uh, suggestion of Akavi ben Mahalel, to avoid coming even to the temptation or the grips of sin. Then Akavia continues, and he says, also, don't only really remember where you came from, but where you're going. L'anataholeich, this is the kind of depressing one, Ofar, Rima, Visoleya. right? We're all going to be worm food. And again, this same group of three Rishonim, the Rambam, Rabbeinu Yonah, and the Bartanura, all point out what is the additional benefit What nuanced way does Akavya Ben Mahalel think that this will help us even more than remembering where we came from? So they explain that whereas thinking about where we came from will keep us humble, where we're, if we remember or think about where we're going, that is intended, they say, to remind us that physical pleasures are fleeting. At the end of the day, There's only so much physical pleasure, so much hedonistic pleasure a person could pack in to their 120 years. But at the end of the day, easy come, easy go. At the end of the day, we're all eventually going to be from dust to dust. And you don't get to take the pleasures with you. That lifetime of Hana, that lifetime of Tainug, that lifetime of Taiva that you spent pursuing, and maybe you even were successful with money and other pleasures of the flesh... They're so temporary, they're so fleeting, at the end of the day, you're barely going to have them. And that should force us to ask ourselves the question, again, it doesn't guarantee we won't be tempted, that doesn't mean we won't enjoy them in the moment that we have them, but if we realize how fleeting they are in the scheme of things, then hopefully, says Akavya ben Mahalel, we won't be as focused on pursuing them. When we realize how temporary they are, so then it's like, you know, what's... The point, I mean, if I could benefit them without any downside, okay. But should I really be spending X percentage of my life, all my working life, to make more money or running after other pleasures of the flesh? For what? It's such a temporary pleasure. It totally. The more you realize how temporary these pleasures are, the more it has the ability to completely reorient ourselves and change the risk-reward ratio. Now, obviously, that phrase you will not find in the Bartanura or Beriona. But I think that's really what they're getting at. The Medrash Shmuel and the Tosos Yontiv point out that that's actually why Akkadia uses the present tense. L'anata holeich. Not yeleich, but holeich. That is to say, even in the present, Ki ha'adam holeich lebeit umit la misa ki yom ha'mavits miyom hodohu. Again, it's a very, I wouldn't say cynical, but it's a certainly a glass half-empty, Uh, But it's a a way of looking at the world, which is to say, from the moment we're born, every day we live is one step closer to dying. Now, again, there are many, many makoros, not the mission we're studying today. Fair enough. But there are many Makaros that speak about how not to look at life just as, you know, in a very depressing way and how we have to make the most of our time. Fair enough. And that's, you know, the other side of the ledger. But, you know, that's not, uh, in the limited time we have today, that's not the purpose of this particular Mishnah. But what this Mishnah is telling us is you have to realize, not only does no one live forever, every day we're alive, we're one step closer to whenever each one of us have that expiration date. Right? We all imagine, or we're scared of, I I speak personally, can you imagine, you know, you had that doctor's appointment, the doctor would say, I can only give you six months to live, four months to live, one year to live. The truth of the matter is, Every one of us have that X months to live. We just don't know how many months it is. But it's already been determined. And each day we are alive, we're getting one step closer to that. And if we realize that, and we realize that at the end of the day, we have a choice. How do we spend our time? Because it's a zero-sum game. Every, Every minute we spend pursuing a certain fleeting pleasure of the flesh, we're not doing more meaningful things. It's impossible. It's a zero-sum game. So if we realize that our time is limited, says the Rambam, says Rabbeinu Yonah and the Bartanura, what the mission is coming to tell us is the more we focus on the fact that our time is limited, because in the end, we're all going to be of Betolea, from dust to dust, that's where we're all going to end up. Therefore, that will completely change our mindset in how we spend our time. Again, just think of the mushal. Again, it's a little bit uh, scary, so forgive me. I hope it doesn't cut too close to home to anybody. Rahman al-Lutzlan. But imagine somebody who had gotten that kind of a prognosis, that kind of a diagnosis from a doctor, right? Each morning, he or she wakes up, they're going to be completely thinking about how they spend their day. Now, they may say, even though I have only X months to live, I got to earn a living, I got to earn money for my children. I'm not saying they'll not do I'm not saying they're going to spend their whole day saying Tehillim all day. But it's got a completely different way of thinking about things. It's going to completely reorient their risk-reward ratio. And I think that's exactly, says the Rambam in these Mafarshim. that's what Akavya ben Mahalal is trying to teach us in this second phrase. Remember where you're going. It's all temporary. It doesn't mean it's not worth it. It's not belittling Olam Hazeh. This is not saying that there's nothing enjoyable about this world. You can be very real about it and honest about it. Yes, there are pleasures of the flesh. There are things we enjoy. There are things we'd like to accomplish and experience. But when you consider how fleeting and temporary that is, vis-a-vis, on the other hand, an eternity in Olam Haba, well, which one would you rather invest in? The long-term investment, the one that will have dividends for thousands of years, for hundreds of years, or for the one that's only going to be lasting for another X number of years? So that completely changes the mindset. It doesn't guarantee we'll do the right thing. And not thinking of this doesn't guarantee we'll do the wrong thing. But the more we have this in our mind, and again, I think if we had this too much in the front of our mind, we might be depressed all day. But the more we have this, at least in the back of our mind, every now and then we ask ourselves this question, remind ourselves of this reality, So there's no question in my mind that would completely reorient and change our risk-reward ratio. Okay, so that's the second uh, clause in the Mishnah. The second thing that Akavya suggested we remember and then the third and final one, which I want to spend the most time on, is the last thing that Kavya says. It's important to remember where you came from. in basa. It's important to remember where you're going, that because that keeps you humble. It's important, as we just got through saying, to remember lanata holeich, because that will hopefully remind you that even as enjoyable as certain things in this world are, they're only temporary, they're fleeting, and therefore we will hopefully uh, give the right, not but not the over, uh, disproportionate amount of focus on those things. But then last but not least, says the Kavya, you know what you really have to remember? Lifnei mi ata asid litain din v'cheshbon. In front of whom, eventually, who are you going to have to answer it to? And that, of course, is melech malchei hamlochim What is the purpose of this? If the first thing is to help us stay humble, if the second thing is to remind us not to focus too much on pleasure, so what's the third thing? What's, how does that help us avoid the grip of sin? So here, the Rambam and the Bartanura. And Rabbeinu Yonah, the three we've been using entire Mishnah. So here, on a slight nuance, they part ways a little bit. Both the Rambam and the Bartonur say, listen, if you'll realize that God sees everything, God hears everything, which is what we studied last week, in last week's year, in Perak Bay's Mishnah Aleph, if we realize that Hashem is not going to forget, He saw everything, He heard everything, He doesn't forget. And as we say every day in Shema V'haya Im Shamoah, there's schar onesh. It's an axiom of Jewish belief, right? We're going to get rewarded? We're also going to get punished. If we think of all those things, says the Rambam, says the Barzinnura, that will scare us into not doing the wrong thing. Hopefully, that will scare us into doing the right thing. The more we can keep in a very, you know, visceral and a visual way, the more we can really believe in Schar onish. So, for shteitzach, it makes sense. The less likely we are to trip up, right? If you right, every uh, thief, every criminal, only did what he or she did because they were convinced that they weren't going to get caught. And X percentage of the time, the police are not infallible, the police are not everywhere. A lot of times you can get away with things. But if you knew for sure, if you told the thief, if you told, God forbid, the murderer or whatever, the criminal, if you told him, for sure if you do this, the police are right there, they see. And they're not going to forget, and the prosecutor's not going to forget. You're definitely going to get in trouble. Remember, it's, HaKadosh Baruch who's judging you. You can't avoid it. There are cameras everywhere. You're going to get caught. Would the person really sin? Very likely not. Most likely not. Almost definitely not. Says the Rambam, says the Bartunur, because you'd be scared of getting punished because there's no way to avoid it. Every criminal does what they do because they convince themselves that they're not going to get caught. But if you knew for sure you were going to get caught, who would, who would do the crime? So says the Rambam, says the Bartunur, that's what the mission is coming at the last phrase to tell me. You're going to get caught. There is no 0.01% who doesn't get caught. There's 0.00% who doesn't get caught. Everyone gets caught, because as we saw last week, Hashem is the big eye in the sky, He sees everything, He remembers everything, He writes it all down, and we're going to have to answer for it. The good news is, He sees all of our mitzvot too, we'll get rewarded for those. But He also sees all our veyos. That's the way the Bartanura and, and the uh, Rambam understand the Mishnah. The Rabbeinu Yonah has a slight nuance, but it's also very powerful, And he says, same idea, that we're trying to avoid sin, but how? Not out of fear, but out of shame. Says Rabbeinu Yonu, if you realize, if you truly believe, if you internalize the fact that eventually, It's not just that you're going to have to have an answering. Not just that you're going to get punished, unfortunately, if you sin. But who are you going to have to do it in front of? Who do you have to stand in front of and get your punishment? It's none other than HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Could you imagine how embarrassed you'll be? How foolish you'll feel? You're, there's no hole that's big enough that you wish you could hide in to not have that stare, that glare of HaKadosh Baruch Hu looking right through you. How could you have done this? What, you didn't think I was going to catch you? You'd be embarrassed. Rabbeinu Yoda gives a mashal. Again, if you knew that you're doing this bad thing and you knew for sure that eventually you're going to have to stand in front of the king, an earthly king, And admit in front of the king that you did the wrong thing. You explicitly went against what he commanded, and accept his punishment. Right? You'd be humiliated, not just fearful, but humiliated. So again, that's a nuance, but I think it's a powerful, powerful nuance to consider. It's not just fear, but also, but also shame. Now, with the last few minutes that we have, I want to turn our attention to um, now that we've again just to review where we've been. We've seen. The all three parts of the Mishnah, Kavya ben Mahalel, said, Histakel and three things, and hopefully you'll never come to being fully in the grip of sin. And we, t- we took each one of those and we saw how these three great Mefarshim understood each one of the phrases, the Rambam, the Bartanura, and the Benayona. But now I want to focus on a nuance, some nuances in the language, which I think are quite powerful of the of the uh, end of the Mishnah, which is the phrase din v'chashbon. mi asilitain din v'chashbon. And it really begs the question, which I've kind of been avoiding until now, which is what exactly are the translation of those words? Or what's the difference between those? What's din, judgment, versus chashbon, accounting? What exactly does that mean? And why does din in the order of the Mishnah come Before cheshbon. Very often, at least in modern Hebrew, you know, you'll say, taseh you know, calculate, add up everything that I did, everything that I owe, and then there's the final din, right? But the cheshbon, you would think, comes before the din. You don't do the din... And then do the cheshbon. I mean, unfortunately, there could be certain contractors or other people, you know, who, who they, they know how the story ends, and they do the they do the din. They know what they want, and then they'll figure out a way to make it. You make the numbers work. They do the cheshbon afterwards, but that's horrible, obviously, right? That can't be a karish barfu. So why does cheshbon come before din? Plus, some of the mafarshim note a nuance, which is why do we say asid litain you are going to give din v'cheshbon. You're the defendant, right? You're the person standing in the dock after 120 years. You're not giving a din. You're receiving a din. You're getting judged. You're not giving din. You're the recipient of God's judgment. So it should be you, you should it should say, remember who in the future you will be Mekabel Din, not litain Din. So these are a number of the questions that mafarshim asked, just on the nuances and the subtleties of the language here at the end of the Mishnah. So I want to mention uh, briefly a few answers and then end with a really powerful idea. So first of all, uh, the Maharal says, and this is Tosus Yontif quotes this, that it doesn't mean you're actually giving a judgment. HaKadosh Baruch gives the judgment. What it means is that God's not going to judge you for no reason. God's not going to punish you for no reason. Remember, anything that happens to you, you caused it because of your actions, personal responsibility, to the extent that none of this would have happened if you hadn't made the first mistake, you hadn't taken the first step down the road of sin. In that sense, it's litain. You did it in the sense that you caused the whole process to start. Okay, that's uh, you know that might be the simplest shot in the Mishnah, although it's not, I would say, the most exciting or inspiring interpretation, but that might be the Pashup shot uh, in the Mishnah. However, there's a second approach which is quite, I would say, powerful, and either scary or inspiring, depending on your, uh, inspi- your personality. Um, and that is suggested by both the Al-Sheikh, the famous Al-Sheikh HaKadosh, and his contemporary, the Medrash Shmuel, which is a commentary a on Avos. They both are, these are great uh, Chachamim who lived in Tzfat in the end of the 16th century. They're basically contemporaries, uh, more or less, in both the Medrash Shmuel and the al Alshech in his commentary. The al Alshech were most familiar with his commentary on the Chumash, but the Alshech also has a lesser-known work on Pirkei Avos. And in both places, the Alshech says this idea, and again, it's already in, also in the Medrash Shmuel on Pirkei Avos, in which they say the following. Think about this, they describe it quite uh, amazingly. I'll read you from the words of the al Alshech on Pirkei Avos. That at the end of 120 years, when a person dies and goes before Malam Torah. Hu, HaKadosh Baruch Baruchu is going to review the whole Torah with you. So if you're worried that you forgot what you learned in 12th grade or in your year in Israel or in high school, don't worry, there's going to be a Chazarish year, Hashem's going to review everything. But before you get so happy about the fact that it's going to be okay that you forgot, that is not going to be exactly so good for you cuz what happens next after akash Baruchu is malamed the whole torah then akash Baruchu is going to take out the movie screen is going to go through now that you know the halachos you know all the halachos now we're going to go through the movie and one by one akash Baruchu is going to show a certain thing that you did and i'm, I'm reading now from the Al the Sholin. and then akash Baruchu is going to ask you now that you know the halacha, we are on the same page you know the halacha. now you see you did that what's the din what's the din Oh, you know the din. Now make the cheshbon. The cheshbon. So first, HaKadosh Baruch Hu teaches you the halachos. And then you are going to have to pronounce the din on yourself. Oh, boy. Amazing, right? Scary, at least to me, I think. Right? Again, it doesn't change the fact. The same din is the same din. But it's not just HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the judge on high, so to speak, pronouncing it. It's almost scarier and more powerful. HaKadosh Baruch is going to review it with you, and you're going to pronounce the Din. No excuses. You're going to have to pronounce the Din. That's the nuance they say in this language. Malam and then afterwards, acharkach, maskirin lo alayhem, In other words, first is the Din, and acharkach the cheshbon. First Hashem reviews the din with you, and then we'll make a cheshbon, and you're going to make the cheshbon to see how well or not you did. Okay, that's a, a second approach. i just mentioned briefly the Vilna Gon before we get to the finale that I want to focus on. The Vilna Gon here has a very, very famous idea. Very famous. I've given entire shurim just on this Vilna Gon. The Vilna says there's a difference between Din and Cheshbon. They're two separate things. They're not working in tandem, so to speak, the way we just saw, but they're either two separate things that a person has to answer for. Din, says the Vilna Gon, is all the actual sins that you did. That's what you have to answer for. That's the Din. So what else is there? To, once I've done that, what else is left? Cheshbon. What's cheshbon, says the Vilnagon? Cheshbon is all the wasted and missed opportunities, the things that you didn't do good because you were busy doing bad. All those moments of sin, whatever time that took, in theory you could have been doing good things at that very moment. All those resources you used to pursue the wrong thing, they could have been used to pursue the right thing. All that energy you used and you were too tired to learn because you spent all the time doing X or Y, all the missed opportunities, Not you didn't do an Avera per se, but you didn't do all the good things, all that good that could have been done, but it wasn't done because you spent your life or you spent time focusing on sin, or actually doing sin, says the villain going, you're also going to have to answer for that. Not only all the din, not all the Averas you did, but all the good you didn't do because you were too busy doing the sins. That's din v'chashbon. Last but not least, if you'll indulge me for a few more minutes, I just want to share your attention to something which to me is the most remarkable and inspiring and powerful part of this whole Mishnah. And that is something which I alluded to at the beginning of the shir when we read the Mishnah at the first place, which is there's something really strange about the, about the Mishnah. It's so verbose, it seems to be unnecessarily almost twice as long as it has to be. Why? Because the Mishnah, in the name of Akavia ben Mahalel, asks all three questions but never answers them. Initially, they're all rhetorical. Then the Mishnah goes back and asks all three questions a second time and then gives the answer. But you could shave a significant part of that mission off without losing any meaning, L'chorah. You could have just said right away. Akavit ben Mahalel says, think about three things. But that's not what the Mishnah did. It first asks all three questions, then it repeats all three questions with the answers. Bizarre. Now the truth is that the Tiferis Yisrael on the Mishnah, he says it's not so bizarre. This is the style of the Mishnah. He points out, for those who are curious, he gives one example, but he says there are many. If you look at the opening Mishnah in the eighth parak of Baba Basra, he says the style is that sometimes the missioner first listens general things, and then it goes back and it repeats the general things and plugs them in. Eh, maybe yes, maybe no. If he's right, it's not so exciting, and I'm not sure he's right. But that's what the Tiferet Yisrael says. But I want to share with you an idea which is, you know, a drushy idea, but it's so powerful, and it's on a deep level, it's so clearly true, and it's an idea that I found in two completely different sources. One, which I first found it from, is the Zichron Shmuel, that is a collection of essays and speeches from the famous Panovich Rosh Hashiva, Shmuel Rezowski, most famously known for being a tremendous genius and Alamdan, but he also, in that collection of books, of articles, also has Hashkafic pieces. And in that piece he has an idea, which I then saw was said hundreds of years before him by the great Hasidic master, Rabbi Rabbi, Rabbi Elimelech of Lashinsk, and his sefer Noam Elimelech. So you put together the Noam Elimelech of Lezinsk and Roshul Rozovsky of Panovich, and they both come up with the same idea. Amazing! And they say as follows: There are two f- sections of the Mishnah. First, when we ask the questions. Then when we ask the questions again. You know why? Because it relates to the fact that every person has to go through life, worshiping Hashem from two different perspectives, and we each have to constantly be asking ourselves. Two di- or at least two different questions or the questions but from two different perspectives and in order to be a true Ovid Hashem and to be successful here's the key you need both of these perspectives what are they? the first, again I'll use terminology which is well known from other sources but they both say this Mom, you can look it up the Noam Elimelech is in Parshas Kedoshim and the Zikron Shmuel is in the back of that volume they both say the same idea the first time the Mishnah asks these questions, it asks these questions from the perspective of Godless Ha'adam. The greatness and the great potential of each and every one of us. Only the second time is it asking the, the questions from the perspective of shiftless. Ha'adam. The fact that unfortunately each of us are weak. Each of us in our own way are corrupt each of us in our own way are hypocritical, each of us in our own way do the wrong thing, that's part of the human condition as well, Hashem, if Hashem wanted malachim, He would have created malachim, right? Hashem created human beings, because he, he knows that we're imperfect, so we need to have, we have to remind ourselves, the only way to be truly successful in Yiddishkeit, and Avodos Hashem, is to constantly remember both, that we have tremendous weaknesses, but we also have the potential for greatness, if you focus on either, exclusively, You won't be successful. Now how do you read the Mishnah this way? It's amazing. It totally changes the perspective. They say the first thing, the first thing a person every day, whenever their life, they have to remember is their greatness and their potential for doing incredible things. And therefore ask yourself the question, says the Zichron Shmuel, says Rebeli Melech, where do you come from? Where do you come from? Ma'ayan Basa. I'll tell you where, says Rebeli Melech. I'll tell you where, says Rebele Melech. You come from a kelukami You have an ashama inside of you, which is a shtick. It's a piece of a kaddish barhu, no less. You're not nobody. You have a bit of a kaddish barhu inside of you. You're incredible. May I in do you know where you come from? It's like that kid, you know, who has no idea who his parents are, his grandparents are, great grandparents. He goes away to some place, you know, he's in Israel for the year. He goes away for Shabbos. He like, "You're so and so's grandson. You're an anacle from so and such a Rebbe. Do you have any idea where you come from?" And most of the time, the kids have no clue. They can't appreciate it. So, so that's what the Mishnah is telling us: "A You would, you were a thing of sinning. You would do a sin. Do you know who you are? Do you know where you come from?" You have a khilikalu kami you have a piece of the Baruch Hu inside of you. Oh, if that's not enough, a second question. taholech. do you know where you're going? Do you know what kind of reward is promised to you if you'll do mitvos? Olam habay, eternal bliss, eternal closest HaKadosh Baruch Barku. How could you possibly waste that on some fleeting pleasure, some fleeting temptation? Do you realize that you're giving up? It's ridiculous. It would be like someone who says, "They say if you go to the office now and you spend a few hours in the office, you're going to be, you're going to have a guaranteed a million dollar deal." The guy says, ah, forget about it. I want to go do this. I'm going to go to an arcade and play a few, you know, video games." Are you crazy? Are you giving up some long term incredible good for some short term pleasure? Do you know where you're going, godless Adam? If you live a life of righteousness, you can have an unbelievable olam haba. And then, do you know who's going to judge you? So here are Shmuel ads. This is also part of the same theme because we know in this world when you get judged, the only the Supreme Court or the most hush of a judge only judges the most important cases. You think you're... What do we always tell ourselves? Eh, it doesn't really matter if I sin. It doesn't really matter if I do the right thing. Who am I anyway? Who really cares? Really? If who really cares about you, if who really cares about me, would HaKadosh Baruch Hu himself, of HaVatzmah, be the one judging you? This is not some night court judge. This is not some guy who got, who failed out of law school. It's HaKadosh Baruch Hu himself is the judge. Would he be judging you if you weren't important? Don't forget how important everything you do is. The consequences are tremendous. It's incredible. All that is the first half of the Mishnah. But you know what says the Mishnah, says Akav Ben that's not enough. The reality is, it's good, it sounds good, it can be inspiring, it helps us feel good, but sometimes that won't be enough to keep us away from sin. Sometimes we have to ask ourselves the same questions, but from the opposite perspective. Not the godless Adam. But yes, the more depressing but real part of us who also, the shiftless Adam. Do you know who you are? You come from nothing. Who are you are, Balgaiva? You think you're so special? Look what you come from. Ooh, you think you can enjoy the world, it's gonna be so great. You're gonna be worm food in a few years. It's worth it for you. And you think you're going to get away with things. You think you can skate free. How could a is going to judge you? That's scary. Whoa. The same three questions, but from two opposite perspectives, yielding two completely different types of answers. Which one should be the primary? So it's not a coincidence. Which, which question comes first in the Mishnah? First is Godless Adam. If that can work, let's be honest. We'd all rather focus on that anyway. And maybe that works. And if we can be successful asking ourselves these questions and reminding ourselves and keeping ourselves on the straight and narrow, just by focusing on our potential, just by focusing on all the good we can accomplish, just by focusing on all the reward we'll hopefully get, then how We never need to get to the second one. But almost everyone at some point in their lives, that's not going to be enough. And there are times and a healthy person probably needs always at all times a balance of these two also needs to remember there's another part of us too. We're not always so great. Sometimes we have to remind ourselves that we have potential to slide into dark things as well, and therefore we have to ask ourselves and constantly be balancing. Every person, there's no one formula for how much you balance this, how much you balance that. Every person can be slightly different, and in different situations call for different things. But these are both together what has to happen. And with this, I'll just conclude the last line of Shmuel Rozovsky: Ki haadam <laughs> chayav nafsho mishne Gam yachad. We need both of these perspectives. Hein mitzad gadluso, the hein mitzad chichluso. So I think if we have this as a great way to summarize and culminate and conclude the learning of this mission. we saw all three of the individual things that Akavia ben Mahalel said, we saw little nuances and insights into all three of them, but if we put them all together from a of kind of a bigger perspective, what they're really telling us is in both cases, whether we focus on the negative, the shiftless adam, or we focus on the more incredible potential and positives that we can all do, the godless adam, and some, ultimately really some combination of these two, that is a, there's nothing that's surefire. There are no guarantees, but these are all things that can help us.